0: Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. Welcome to this week's interview. If you're here for the first time or the 30th time, I'm glad you're here. I'd love to get some feedback from you on the interviews. and You can do that by going to the podcast platform you use to listen and leave a rating and a comment. That would be greatly appreciated. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and my faithful supporters via Patreon. If you're interested in getting a new single bag or multiple horn bag, or even a mouthpiece pouch, you should check out Messina Covers. David and Erica deliver both exceptional customer service and a superior quality product. They do custom orders as well, and in some really cool color options. Be sure to check them out at MessinaCovers.net That's M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S.net. The Eastman Music Company history may be short compared to some in the industry. But what's impressive is that they've risen to the level of other trusted brands. What you'll find at Eastman is a commitment to excellence and innovation. Eastman Winds have created a line of brass instruments that are becoming commonplace in top orchestras and used by respected artists worldwide. I've been playing the 825S B-flat trumpet since 2013, and I've added since the ECN-422 Shepherd's Crook B-flat Cornet and the EFG-512 Flugelhorn. Eastman also does a great job of recognizing great instruments and designers and knows that it makes great business sense to bring those companies under the umbrella of Eastman rather than to try to start from scratch. Such is the case with SE Shires. Eastman's acquisition of Shires has ensured that the quality and innovation of the Shires instruments continues. Alongside my Eastman instruments, I also play the Shires C V L A XL trumpet and the Shires No. 5 C trumpet. I'm both fortunate and grateful to be associated with Eastman and to be a dual artist for Eastman and Shires. Please visit Eastmanwinds.com and seshires.com. One last item before we get to today's interview. If you would like to contribute financially to this podcast and support the continued delivery of access to great artists, you can do so starting out as little as $3 per month. There are five tiers of support offered and there are some cool benefits available to you if you become a subscriber at Patreon. You can see all tiers and benefits by visiting patreon.com slash studio HFL. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Again, thank you for being here. And now, on with today's interview. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Captain Brian Sherlock of the president's own United States Marine Corps Band. Yeah, thanks. That was terrific.
1: Well, it's easy to talk about stuff that, uh, you know, first of all, I know a little bit about.
0: (laughs) Right. Right.
1: (laughs) And second, that, that, uh, you know, it's it's still fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we've taken completely different paths, Uh, right? but I don't know that I would change a thing. You know, I've enjoyed the variety uh, it's certainly been a challenge, you know, the freelance thing. You've had a little oh, yeah. more security <laughs> uh, than I have, but, uh, you know, this is, this is great. So, um, yeah, so, um, you know, I have this podcast called studio HFL mm-hmm. and, uh, you have any idea what the HFL might stand for?
1: Oh, but I was going to ask you that very question. Yeah. Okay.
0: So if, if imagine you were a trumpet player, Okay, so you can dumb down a little bit. You can, <laughs> uh, I'll give you a hint, higher? Faster and louder. There you go, bingo. That's <laughs> excellent. Yeah. And
1: every trumpet player gets it right away, I'm sure.
0: No, no, it's not, no. There's some that are so far off and it's hilarious, you know, <laughs> yeah. the direction they take on that. So, hey, welcome to my podcast, Captain Brian Sherlock. I'm glad to have you here.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and I and I just to play off a little bit what you said there. Yeah, completely different paths, um, but I, I admire what you do, what, what you do, and what you've done. Um, you know, if, to tell you the truth, when I joined the Marine Corps, my intention was was strictly to do four years, uh, get some money to go back to school and continue on that freelance path. You know, um, the thing is that what I found when I got here into the Marine Corps was I found a real club. You know, and I know you mm. kind of relate to this having having done your service as well. Uh, a real club that, that, that I just really fit into. And, um, Hmm. and every time I re-enlisted, I always left the option open to get out, you know, Uh, and just every time it came up, I was like, you know, no, no, things are still going well and and, and I'm enjoying it. And uh, throughout, throughout that career as well, um, there has been the challenges and there have been, um, there's been just enough variety and, 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 um, uh, and and challenge to keep me interested and to keep me going. Um, You know, and then well, you knew me before I joined the Marine Corps, and I'm sure anybody that knew me in undergraduate school would say, "You joined the Marine Corps, you, and, and they didn't kick you out." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, no. So well, you know, uh, it's it's been a great ride, and I'll tell you, twenty. I've been in twenty three years, mm. and uh, and it really has gone by in a blink. I, I can't tell you how just it's just been fascinating all the
0: time. Yeah. So, um, normally, I, I start with where you are, but since we have a history, um, I'm going to go back to where we first met, which was 1985, Star of Indiana Drum and Bugle Corps. Yeah, right? <laughs> right, the very first year of Star, and of course, you were you were marching baritone, I was on soprano, right, those two valve, wonderfully, yeah. wonderfully in tune. Uh, G-bugle. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, do you remember any of that?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it, it's not something I, I um, freely uh, uh, admit to around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in my, um, you know, in my previous uh, positions uh, with the fleet bands, it really did come in handy in many in many cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with military tattoos at all. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so there's the marching and, and show aspect to that uh that as well that i was able to um really kind of employ the, some of the um some of the skills that i learned in in uh in, in drum and bugle corps and I, I don't know if you're you probably remember but um after star of indiana i went on to uh, madison scouts yep back, back when they were still uh respectable <laughs> uh, uh yeah so madison scouts i did there and then after uh, aging out i taught at uh, phantom regiment and at blue coats also for
0: a while. i had no idea you did the teaching aspect of that yeah yeah so well and with Madison, I mean it wasn't just that you marched Madison, but you marched the year right eighty eight yeah did, did
1: walk away with a championship ring, yeah, right yeah, that's another one of those situations i I, I didn't go there anticipating that. I never would have thought that would happen, but uh mm-hmm. you
0: know,
1: there it there it is
0: mm-hmm. uh so in eighty five were you still in school at uh was it Evansville is that where you did your undergrad?
1: I, well, I ended up in a, uh, I ended up graduating from Evansville. I had started at IU, and um, and then also did a short. And I, uh, I wasn't a music major, I should point out there. Mm-hmm. And then did a short stint uh, of, of schooling in England. Again, not a music major, but during that those couple of years, I really discovered that that was what was missing in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, so um, I immediately, after that experience, figured out uh, what I need to do to make myself happy in life was to to, to stay around music. So I came back to, um, uh, to the States and uh, in an effort to sort of get my skills back to where I needed to be to get back to IU, um, I enrolled at University of Evansville, which is where I grew up. Uh, so I had a, a studio teacher there, uh, Dr. Bill Boots, who uh, took me on with the intention of sort of getting to that uh, IU level. Um, I never did leave. I ended up graduating there and, um, you know, it's one of those uh, big fish in a small pond scenarios. Um, again, it was really good for me because I got to be in every ensemble, orchestra, orchestra, wind ensemble, jazz ensemble, you know, it was a real, real great exposure uh, and a music ed major. Uh, and then we ran into each other again. Then when I moved up to Indianapolis and uh, we ended up uh, at Butler together.
0: Yeah. I remember sitting down next to you in a theory class and it's like, Brian, yeah. you know, it's like out of, totally out of the blue. And it was great. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, but before we get to Butler, I, I want to go back to this experience that you talked about uh, that made you have this epiphany that music was, uh, what was this experience? What What was it that changed things?
1: Yeah, I think it was just being away from it, you know. Um, you know, all you will recognize as well that, um, you know, throughout your formative years, it's just a part of who you are, you know, and there's always the question of, you know, does a does playing trumpet make you a trumpet player or were you a trumpet player before you picked up the instrument? You know, I, 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 think, you know, music was just always a part of me. And so, um, I, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I fir- first went to school. Um, I was kind of just experimenting and that's how I kind of did, ended up in England doing some just liberal arts. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, I might want to be a philosophy professor or I might want to be a, you know, <laughs> you know, who knows a, a literature professor and, uh, and just found that I was, I was missing. And, um, Ended up renting a horn, uh, and just started playing again, and and there it was, you know, that's yeah. what was missing. So um, so then the path was, well, you know, you, you're not gonna, it's gonna be a difficult life, you know, we just have to accept that I think if we decided yeah. to, to, to pursue music professionally, yeah, and um and so that's where education came in. I tell you, I, I will say that the education degree to me was probably the was definitely the smartest thing I've ever done, um in in the way that you're exposed to the different instruments, um public speaking, um, being in front of a group, um, just the whole educational aspect in addition to the music really, I think, um, led me to uh, some real skills and talents that like a performance major might not necessarily have. Mm
0: -hmm. And that was the undergrad, that was the the, uh, education degree. Uh, Now, when you got to Butler and working on your master's, was that a performance degree or education again?
1: yeah uh, butler was performance by that time i had done a, a little bit of teaching um didn't find it as rewarding and i still thought i had a shot you know so <laughs> i went and right. uh and uh, uh i figured well if i can just focus exclusively on on playing then uh, you know that's just going to increase my chances and that's where really the love was for me you know mm-hmm. um the passion was in the playing
0: mm-hmm. was uh melissa williams kind of one of those catalysts that got you to butler
1: Oh, most definitely um so she had uh we had initially met that so anybody that's not familiar uh, melissa williams is a tuba euphonium instructor at butler university um iu grad herself um she uh did a um a year in in um temporarily uh, at the university of evansville when dr boots was completing his um phd on sabbatical so that's where we initially met mm-hmm. um and she was uh, she was playing um uh, with the Evansville Philharmonic at the time as well, Owensboro Symphony, you know, mm-hmm. so I was subbing in with some of those groups at the time. So we had uh, interactions like that. Uh, when she found out that I was at in, in Indianapolis, and I think it was about the same time that she took uh, the position there at Butler, uh, she reached out to me and said, you ought to come over here and audition. And mm-hmm. um, I was kind of uh, looking for the next thing to do anyway. And so it mm-hmm. just worked out perfectly.
0: You know, I think about that experience at Butler <clears> the <throat> fortuitous the timing was just uh was great uh being with so many excellent musicians in the orchestra um, yeah. and having Stan Darusha on the podium who I still I I feel like I owe such a huge debt of gratitude for training me on how to play in an orchestra and I don't yeah. know you're smiling I do you feel the same way about about that
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's funny because I mean he's a clarinet player, you know, by trade, mm-hmm. but uh, just a, such a wonderful musician, mm-hmm. uh, just a, such a complete musician that uh, yeah, I learned as much from him as I did from any studio uh, mm-hmm. uh, lessons that I ever got, and and it's not necessarily about the instrument playing; it was about music, you know. Yeah, and and it, and as along those same lines, it's interesting that I've never studied conducting, uh, but I've been mm-hmm. doing it now for fifteen years almost, um, and. You know, and now I'm in front of this ensemble. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But what I did learn along the way was probably from emulating people like Stan. Do you remember Harvey Benstein? Oh, absolutely. uh, Yeah. Guys like that that I just sort of, uh, you know, beg, borrow, and steal from. And. And uh, uh, and their sort of musical tutelage uh, along mm-hmm. the way has, has been invaluable to me. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I would agree with you 100. percent It was a really wonderful experience. Uh, timing was great, not only in the folks that were there at the time, but just in that it was the right time. You know how they say, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I think I was ready. I was a sponge at the time, so
0: mm-hmm. I, I really, uh, really got a lot out of it. Were you studying with Jared Roden while Correct. you were there? Yeah. Right. Uh, Jared's a hoot. Man, yeah. I tell you, he's uh, and yeah, he he should go pro, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. He, uh, no, he's he's a riot, a definitely definitely a character, but great musician too. Yeah. Uh, another one is uh, great exposure, and it's and it's kind of ironic because I always said I was going to go back to IU sometime, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was going to be a Master's screen, and then eventually I think even sort of toyed around with the idea now of a DMA or something. um But so many of my ins- teachers and instructors along the way have been IU grads. I feel like I got the whole experience anyway, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I've worked with so many people who've, you know, mainly gone through their masters and, and doctorate there. I, I feel like I've learned by extension, right? I've, yep. I've attended IU by extension. Hey, um, so before I forget, uh, I had submitted, uh, I had solicited online the other day questions to be submitted for this interview. And Bob Graff, <laughs> wants me to ask you, where's my low brass duet book?
1: I have no idea, but my, my, answer,
0: <laughs> my answer to him would
1: be, uh, you know, there's a much uh, less public forum. He could have asked me that question.
0: <laughs> well, this is just you and me right now. so. Uh, <laughs> no, but
1: I mean, Yeah, that's funny. I have no idea what he's talking about, but, um, you know, <laughs> he's on Facebook. I see his posts all the time and I'm yeah. like, you know, you could have just asked me. I know he's just joking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what he's talking about. To be yeah. honest,
0: <laughs> you know. Um, so and now we're going to have a little fun between ourselves. You know, if everybody's listening, listening, they'll they might get sick of this part. But uh, <laughs> of course, we played together in the orchestra, which was a great experience. But we also had that graduate brass quintet, mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of drama in that group. Yeah, especially when it came to the horn, the horn position, right? And, and then sometimes the trumpet position. Yep. Yeah. And and part of it was because I was just young and stupid. I mean, <laughs> and Melissa was coaching us and mm-hmm. she reminds me, and we still get a kick out of this, I thought she was the dumbest thing ever. You know? Really? And then, you know, but then I came around and like she actually knew what she was talking about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I, I mean I have great respect for her, uh as a as a person and a musician, but um those were some fun times, and the repertoire—not just in the quintet, but you know, we did Bartók Concerto for Orchestra, yeah. Mahler Symphonies, husa's yeah. uh, uh, Music for Prague. I mean, we t- we bit off some really big uh, pieces.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the, probably we had no right doing that stuff, but um, I, I'm pretty convinced that we did it pretty well. Um, oh yeah. And it's funny you you mentioned um, you mentioned <clears throat> Melissa. You know, I think um, I never really. I, of course, I knew her before, before she was coaching our quintet. Um, mm-hmm. and it always occurred to me more that, uh, her, her, her brand of wisdom was sort of like the, the, the country, uh, you know, matter of fact wisdom, you know, it just comes from life, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she was, so she was no you know, she didn't have these uh, high, high, uh, philosophical ideas about it or anything. It was just like, right. you know, you know, this is how you get through it. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, but I do remember the drama too. Although I remember it differently, not, not being, um, I sort of remember you being a bit of the rock there, you, you and Bob. Oh, to be yeah. oh
0: okay. Well, <laughs> can I get that in writing? You know, it'd be uh, nice yeah. to, it, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. It, you know, you learn from everything, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, you learn from oh, it all. But this path, uh, this path that you've taken is unusual, you know, enlisting in the military uh, but now being a commissioned officer, you know, when and, and I'll be honest, when I found out you joined the the Marines, I was thinking, you're the least military minded person I know. And boy, did I underestimate you. I'm so sorry. It's just I think what it goes to show is if you work hard enough, I mean, look at what you can do. You have now become an associate conductor of the president's own. Yeah, that's that's amazing.
1: Yeah, you know, and like you said, anybody that knew me wouldn't have ever thought I'd ever join the Marine Corps alone, let let alone right. end up here. Yeah.
0: And, and I don't mean that. Please don't take that as a as a knock towards you. It was just, I knew you in college. I, and maybe I should tell the Secret Service some things that I know, right? Please, please don't. No, no, no. no. And, and I'm only kidding. I know they're monitoring this right now anyway. So, but uh, tell me a little bit uh, about this path. Uh, from the enlistment and uh, music school and all that.
1: Yeah. Well, again, it's, it's it, it stop me if I'm repeating myself unwarranted, un but um, yeah, I was looking for the GI Bill, to be honest. Uh, I thought four years, uh, that'll be a great experience. It'll give me the money I need to get onto the next level of education. And I was getting to the age too where, because um, I joined when I was 29 and 30 is a cutoff for, mm. for enlistment anyway. So I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, you know, now's the time. I didn't have a whole lot else. Well, I, that's not true either. I mean, I was I was making a living, you know, uh, freelancing. I had a principal chair at the Lafayette Symphony, subbing in Evansville, subbing in Owensboro, some of those, you know, typical things in that area, and uh, yeah, it was just one of those things. I I, I thought it seems like a good idea at the time, and as I mentioned, it just um, it was a, just a great fit. Strangely enough, the work hard aspect I totally got into. Um, I've always been a little bit um, anal retentive. <laughs> so you know the spit and polish the uh, all all fit in my uh, character perfectly well mm-hmm. um and i excelled at it for for whatever reason um both uh, on the military side as well as on the musical side you know um any of the classes leadership classes or or even in recruit training i, I always came out on the top of the class um so while you, you know you, you're right to question <laughs> you, you know anybody who knew me would never have thought of uh, thought of it but for whatever reason um and it may not have fit in the Air Force or the Army, you know, just, mm-hmm, it, just mm-hmm. seemed to fit in the Marine Corps, you know, and, and, and so I thought, well, four years will be enough. By the end of that four years, I was then actually uh, transferred to the faculty at the School of Music. Mm-hmm. And I can, as I explained, explained a little bit earlier, uh, the Armed Forces School of Music, um, we had uh, Army, Air Force, I'm sorry, Army, Navy and Marines all at the same school. Uh, and it's basically like a, it would be like junior college music program, if you want to think of it that way, a year of theory, a year of ear training. Private lessons, large ensembles, small ensembles, uh, in, in a, in a crunched down into a six-month period. Uh, and I was on the faculty there, uh, on the ear training and uh, theory faculty. Strangely enough, before I left there, I was there about seven years. Before I left, I actually ended up on the conducting faculty as well. So um, again, this was just a—I don't know—seemed like a good idea at the time, right? But um, you're
0: still—you're still just in enlisted. Yeah, uh, in enlisted ranks at this point, but. Uh, right. Oh, you've risen to what, uh, what rank? By
1: the time I, yeah, by the time I left there, I was staff sergeant, E6, mm-hmm. got promoted there, uh, and then also got selected for that officer training mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. possibility there. So that's 10 years into the, about 10, a little over 10 years into my career at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, still the possibility of not reenlisting. But, um, I was like, at that point, 10 years in, you're halfway to what could be your retirement. And I always said too, this is another one. Uh, I'll get out right at twenty. You know, I, it's it's not that great, you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I'm well over twenty and looking at looking at right. thirty. So yeah, it just keeps coming at me in small bits, and I mm-hmm. keep take, I keep taking it. But yeah, I go off to Officer Candidate School, the um, uh, Marine Officer Candidate School. Uh, basically, as I said, it has nothing to do with music. There it has uh, every, basically they're just training you as a as a platoon or company commander, mm-hmm. uh, in all the military aspects. And again, yeah, graduated top in the class there, mm-hmm. and. um, and then was assigned uh, to to uh, be a commander of one of the fleet bands so um again a 50-member wind ensemble uh ceremony aspects but also concert aspects um we did a lot of things um i don't know if i was just uh too dumb to not know what i wasn't capable of but <laughs> but we just did a lot of things uh that no one had ever done before and um, and, and kept excelling in that um mm-hmm. And, uh, that was really, you know, how, how I saw the, my career panning out. Just, uh, I'd end up as a, as a chief warrant officer, uh, in the Marine Corps. We go up to chief warrant officer five. Uh, we have one in the Marine Corps music program and and I, I was on track to actually end up in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, that of course would have been a desk job, mm-hmm. uh, kind of overseeing all of the uh, fleet bands. Mm-hmm. So it would be a little bit bittersweet. Um, uh, you work in the Pentagon. I was not going to be, I was not looking forward to that, right. <laughs> but, um, uh, that was kind of like, you know, I saw this as the career path. And then this mm-hmm. opening came up for, um, for, uh, for the assistant director. And I, like I said, I, in my mind, it was no possible way. There was no chance in, in hell that I was going to actually win this job. I mm-hmm. uh, had never been done before. Um, and I just didn't feel like I had the pedigree, you know, but if I could just get in front of the group one time and conduct them, then it was worth all the effort. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I got to get in front of them another time and then another time. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, I'm getting the phone call that uh, we'd like mm-hmm. you to move out here. And oddly enough, like I said, that meant leaving Hawaii uh, where we had actually intended to retire. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't as easy a choice as you might think. You know? yeah. uh, you know, um, so, uh, but I, I, I would have felt like a fool passing it up. And, uh, yeah. and, it, and it's been completely rewarding. It, like I say, just to get in front of this group uh, on a regular basis and, yeah. and drop that stick, it's just amazing what comes out. Yeah. I'm never, never, never bored and, and always challenged, which is, which is what I like to, uh, you know, like I said, looking forward to a desk job for the rest of the career was not uh, something I relished. And, and this keeps me definitely uh, challenged in all my toes.
0: Mm-hmm. So 23 years in. Yeah. Uh, now, are you looking at 30?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, no, 30 <laughs> is, is the extent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll make me leave at that point.
0: Uh, and then as far as advancement, uh, I mean, what's the next uh, uh, major? Is the next rank up?
1: Well, it would be typically, but there was a sort of an understanding when I came here that um, we So, you know, again, we have the uh, Colonel Fettig as the commander and, uh, and director of the, of the president's own. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been director since I think 2000, been about four years, so about 2015, maybe 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has less time in service than I am and uh then beneath him the second assistant director has also been in uh in the band now maybe seven or eight years Mm -hmm. less time in service uh, but he's a major so those i would have to retire before those two would ever. so i would never the understanding was you're you're not going to ever advance you know in this position that was fine with me um just again given the the nature (laughs) of the position
0: yeah so you know so many absolutely fantastic musicians have come through the president's own tom hooten being one of the more high profile yeah. uh but you know amy mccabe is yeah. a superstar in the trumpet world uh and you mentioned earlier you you did the uh the hummel uh, who who performed that
1: uh, a guy named uh, brandon eubank
0: ah, okay okay so that's one of name. our sec-
1: one of our section players yeah yeah um,
0: um there's a, a tuba player here who retired I think in '15, uh, Paul Mergen, but his brother yep. is still in, yeah, uh, still in the the band there. And Mike,
1: yeah, his brother Mike's a cornet player, really yeah. fascinating guy. And Paul, I, I was was in the band prior to moving to Indiana as
0: well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, it's uh, I guess what I'm looking at is there's the opportunity to stay for the entire career, but it's also a place to really hone your skills and then. Go win the big symphony job, you know. Which is, it, it seems like, nobody looks at the Marine Corps as a stepping stone, right? Right. <laughs> well, I, well, no. I'm Sure, some. I'm sure some do. Yeah. But uh, what a great place to get experience, and uh, yeah. so, you know, you're working with. I guess my point is this: it's not just that you're working with anybody; you're working with the best of the best. Yeah. In this group, and yeah. oh, that yeah. has got to yeah. be so rewarding.
1: It, yeah, but it's also humbling and challenging because you know you got to be on your game all the time. Uh, yeah. You know, um, and I and I you know to be honest, I I I worry. You know, there's there's the performance jitters is one thing, but even in front of you know prepping for a rehearsal, let's say a first mm-hmm. rehearsal on a concert series, you know I'm walking in going, do I know it well enough? You know, are they gonna <laughs> are they gonna are they gonna know more about it than me? You know, uh, so you know that's what I say. By about, about kind of the challenge keeps me really. Really keeps me fresh, you know.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, so I can imagine you know, you conducting a piece for the first time, and uh, somebody back there, probably a trumpet player, is going, This guy has no clue. I've played this (laughs) piece a dozen times, this is not how it goes, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. well, what's I
1: I worry more about that with the orchestra, though, you know, oh, yeah, the the string players in particular, you know, I don't know that literature just because I've been away from it for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as, as I did say, you know, 20, 20 something odd years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that worries me. But again, um, yeah, it's, that's the challenge. That's the, yeah. that's the exciting thing about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I meant to bring this up uh, when we did the, the session earlier this morning, playing a march is not just like playing a march. I mean, when you guys do it, it there's, there's some real precision. There's a real expectation for style right yeah on, on yeah this. definitely yeah it's, definitely it's not just bum 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 i mean so you know you rehearse the marches is that right
1: oh yeah definitely and then, uh, the other thing about it is uh, is is not just the precision and the um and the the style but the tradition that's there you know um mm-hmm. so many like i say so many of these we have in manuscript form um one thing I would I would steer anybody that's interested toward is, is on our website. Uh, so we've been working on a project over the last several years to record all of Suze's marches from in cr- chronological order, from his very first to his very last. Wow. So we're up to the last volume now. Um, and in each case, what we're doing is going through all the old manuscripts, all the old parts with pencil marks and so forth to find mm-hmm. out exactly how, and then um, just sort of word of mouth, pass down knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. And trying to really... Um, to sort of compile that into a into a, a, a legitimate written out source and so along with the recordings on the uh website you can also find the scores and they're all available mm-hmm. uh free of charge it's public domain now but um mm-hmm. but it, it, so that, that it's um it's it's uh, arranged or, or or transcribed in a way in a way that we play it uh based on tradition and based on the research that's that's been done uh, through our library and through our manuscripts and so forth so everything we're trying to do uh uh, historically accurate to the way Sousa would have would have heard it
0: so what would that be like what would the difference between a way a community band's going to play it and the way the president's own just play well it? there's
1: yeah there's the precision precision that you mentioned but there's again a lot of it comes down to just sort of the traditions uh, things that Sousa would do um, that never even got written down um, you know the parts were bare uh, really very little in the way of any articulations Mm-hmm. Uh, I would venture to say no, uh, dynamic markings. It was just understood, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so those things we've, we've had to add or, or have come down, you know, from tr- tradition, mm-hmm. you know, what, when do the trumpets lay out set, first strain, mm-hmm. uh, uh, first time through any given strain, when do they mm-hmm. come in? Um, uh, how do we do, uh, how do we do regimental trumpet parts versus, you know, all of our recordings are done on, on cornets for cornet parts, mm-hmm. trumpets for trumpet parts. Um, you know, so, so those are the types of things. It's just the, it's just a finer detail. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's a real, if you think about it, uh, Suso always said that if, if, you know, if what you know of him is his marches, he's, he doesn't like, you know, he would rather have been known as a, a composer of musicals and of songs and, mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. So we, really, I think the trick to, um, to pulling it off really well is, is defining the, the melody. And that really is the real charm and the real, um, the real uh, inspiration in all these marches is they're, they're just mm-hmm. great melodies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, now to be honest in recording everything that he's, that he's written, you find out why there are some marches you just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't hundred percent all the time, you know, but, sure. um, but we have found some real gems as well along the way yeah. that, that you're like, ah, this is really great. Um, how come I don't know it? And so yeah. we're, we're, we're able then to go back and program these types of things and maybe make them bring them to light a
0: little bit more. So, you know, if I put on one of these CDs, is it going to be at 120 beats per minute from the beginning to the end?
1: We vary. It depends on the march. Uh, some of them feel a little bit better at 122, 124. Some of them mm-hmm. feel a little better at 116. Uh, for me, uh, six, eight marches just feel better around 116. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it varies from, from from March to March. And to be honest, um, it's not going to sound like we're not playing with a click track. So it's Mm -hmm. not going to be exact, you know, there's going to be the human aspect to it. So, um, so there is a little give and take and that's not bad either. You know, um, there are places that just feel like they need to breathe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, because again, it is music, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's a little different if you're out on a parade deck, uh, you know, actually marching troops around, it's pretty much, you know, boom, 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 boom (laughs) for your left foot, you know, (laughs) um, but uh, but but like I say, there's 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 just there's great music in it. Uh, yeah. melodies, great counterlines, surprising harmonies, things you know. And that's that's the other neat thing is you know, of course, uh, there is a formula to the Sousa March, but um, but so frequently when it changes
0: or when he does something slightly different or
1: unexpected, that just makes it that much more uh, enjoyable.
0: Charlie Conrad, trumpet player here in Indy, uh-huh. uh did his doctorate, and uh, I think his 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 big project was, uh, the marches of Fred Jewell. This composer had 149 marches and I was playing in the Indianapolis symphonic band, a volunteer group back at at this time. And we read all 149 marches. (laughs) And like you just said, you know, there might be three or four or five that are like, Hey, those are keepers. And then the others are like, you know, (laughs) you're just, you're numb. Uh but uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've forgotten the the name of that. And I'll I'll reinsert that later. But
1: well, so often those those marches were uh, were written. They're kind of like um, like court composers back in the day. There was a specific reason they were written, and they turned them yeah. out in a week or a month, whatever it was that occasion, with no intention yeah. necessarily of them ever lasting beyond right. that event. Uh, and then there then there are others that really were written, uh, you know, with some thought and and and. Right. Uh, eye towards, uh, you know, posterity, but a lot of them were just, were functional, you know.
0: Yeah. You know, a few seconds ago, you were talking about uh, how there were no dynamic markings, it, you know, in Sousa's marches, it was just understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, just recently, I had heard, of course, you know, Haydn had been at the Esterhazy estate, I think it was 17 years. Yeah. And if you go to, somebody had done the research, if you go to the manuscripts, you see that, uh, like they were looking at slurs in the string parts that it was marked in the first movement, but not marked in the second and third, but towards the beginning of his time there, everything was marked, but as things evolved, it's like his orchestra knew, okay, this is, so the same thing, right, with Sousa, is probably yeah. those early marches may have been marked all the way through, and eventually the band just knew, yep, this is what we do, right? Right, right. But But sometimes if you don't know that, right, you get this, you know, high school or college band gets this, and they look at it, and it's like, "Well, that must be how yeah. we're supposed to play it, right?" Right. And, and it's not that. It, it's it's uh, just that they're uninformed. You know, yeah. It's not it's not their fault. And I think, boy, it's a real eye opener, right? Then if you can, you have this ability to go back and look at the early Sousa marches, and that changes everything.
1: Yeah right yeah and, and i i would suggest that as i say they're all available now uh high, you know edited the way we do it and so mm-hmm. you know that still leaves a conductor room for um you know interpretation but mm-hmm. if you're interested in what the sort of source document is and then, then, then we have that now you know yeah yeah
0: so when's the last time you played trombone
1: oh my god <laughs> well in our our talk earlier you know i said the, the playing was re- my real passion i didn't, yeah. i never expected i'd end up conducting um and for a long time i really missed playing more than anything mm-hmm. um uh the last time I, so i did do some playing uh, even as an officer i would i would sit in uh, occasionally with my groups or um uh i went on tour one time the marine corps puts together what we call the uh, all-star jazz uh ensemble mm-hmm. where we mm-hmm. just bring sort of great players from different groups, put them together and do one event like the TMEA Mm -hmm. or California Music Educators, something like that. And uh, so I've played with that group a couple of times, Um, you know, and it'd just be a matter of having to spend a couple of months dusting it off as it were. Mm -hmm. Um, So the last, but the last time I played to be literal was probably 2015. So it's been a little longer than I care to admit. Yeah. However, this, uh, this virus thing is, is giving me the inspiration (laughs) to break it out again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of scores I'm preparing right now. So, yeah. uh,
0: <laughs> well, you know, I haven't seen you conduct, but I will attest to your, uh, that you're a great musician who also happens to play trombone and throw the stick, you yeah. know, but I, I remember those times sitting next to you in orchestra where it was like, oh, that's how that's supposed to go. Right. <laughs> I mean, I truly, I mean, you were, you were such uh you were so solid on everything and uh, I think you helped make me a much better musician along the way. Oh, so I really appreciate those, you know, those opportunities that we had.
1: Yeah, well, you flatter me. Uh, honestly, I, I always looked up to your playing, to be honest. Uh, oh. You know, I did not just felt like you had you had uh, such versatility, you know, from the commercial mm-hmm. to, to the
0: classical to, and, the, and the ability to change your color and your sound uh, from one to the other it was really remarkable. I, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I start. I just started laughing because I remembered Bartok concerto for orchestra um I don't know if you remember me blacking out uh no. la- oh in, I do in the last movement uh there's the you know the big lick uh yeah and I just I used to play with such compression you know and it would happen frequently <laughs> I do remember that yeah oh my gosh so I don't know I I don't think I ever hit the floor but I do <laughs> remember <laughs> so yeah yeah so well, man. Well, I, one I, thing we one yeah. thing we do definitely get better at over
1: the years is uh, efficiency, right? Both Thank in goodness. practice, in production, and right. in, in, in preparation. Yeah, you, right. just, you can't you can't play like you did when you were twenty. You
0: know. No, and 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 in some cases that's okay, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want to play that way again. Right. <laughs> so. Well, uh, I'm curious. Uh, you know, you were supposed to be here in Indiana uh, this spring for butler's 100th right 100th anniversary of their um of the music department yeah yeah um do you know if they're going to try to reschedule that i haven't heard
1: anything and i think it really depends on whether they'll even be holding classes as usual in the fall if indiana is, is already ahead of where we are here on the east coast uh in opening things back up so um i wouldn't be surprised if they don't try to do it in the fall it'd still be within that year you know calendar year anyway of of the 100th anniversary so i i would i would think they probably put some amount a good amount of work into it and would mm-hmm. like to carry it on so i'm looking forward to the opportunity
0: yeah were you going to come and conduct yes yeah uh with the orchestra or the band the band yeah uh yeah. colonel Col- colonel colburn had invited me yeah sure and uh oh yeah that's right uh you know your credit <laughs> one of your predecessors right yeah, yeah 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 isn't it just i mean this small world you know right so yeah and the connections you make uh you know I mean they're going to go way beyond I mean even after you retire uh you know you're you're probably going to be appointed uh a conductor somewhere or I don't know maybe you guys will move back to Hawaii right
1: Well I would love it uh you know once you it's one of those things once you leave it's just so hard to get back so I I, right. I don't I don't know that that's a you know maybe someday <laughs> right right but uh yeah, the the idea of, of, of what, what do I do after this? I, I always phrase it as uh, I, I really just still don't know what I do when I grow up. So, um, uh,
0: you know, maybe <laughs> right. I go back to playing. I don't know. Right. Uh, my younger kids, 10 and 13, want to go to D.C. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, it'd be great, but I don't think anything's open right now. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking when that happens, I'm hoping that those concerts that you were talking about, uh on the steps would you say the capitol yeah. building uh-huh. um, other places and quite honestly you mentioned the uh the souza archives or the, the band archives i might be calling you up uh, and saying hey we're going to be in town if you if you didn't i would be uh, i would be offended yeah definitely well, let me know and
1: we'll, we'll, we'll try to coordinate some
0: sure and and you can get me into the white house right
1: <laughs> like you said earlier, if they knew if they knew me as well as you know me, I wouldn't be getting in there myself. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you know what? I've got one more one more thing. When I was at the Pentagon, you know, I went in with a secret clearance, and because of where I was working, um, I had to have a top secret clearance, which meant now that I had to have an extensive FBI interview. And so they came in, and and I, I've heard that this is a different process now, but um, the FBI came in, showed me his ID. We sat down in an office and uh, two hours later, we took a lunch break and uh, then three more hours and we finished the day and he left. And, and my Sergeant was like, airman, what on earth have you done? Right. <laughs> it's like all of our interviews were done in like an hour, you know, everybody else in the office. And I said, well, Sergeant, uh, actually he's coming back tomorrow. Uh, we've, <laughs> got, we've got more More to do. So he did. He came back the next day. We went through about another two hours or so. And, you know, eventually I got my top secret clearance. And uh, by the way, that's completely done these days. So nobody can, you know, I don't have access to that kind of information anymore. Uh, Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, they were appalled, Uh, not appalled, they were amazed that it took so long for me to get through that interview. Like, you know, and I remember it, I mean, question, and I tell you what, I would be the worst candidate for torture because I would give up information (laughs) in a a heartbeat. Well, that's Uh, probably what took so long then.
1: Yeah. I'm betting you were just a great interview.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much. You know, so maybe that's, that's what it was. He was just uh, interviewing me, but yeah, uh, but I guess what I'm saying is uh, they probably would never let me into the white house if they knew that I had that kind of history. So congratulations on everything. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for the time this morning. It's been great to see you. It's been great to catch up.
1: Well, thanks, so. for, thanks for inviting me. I, I tell you, I'm honored. Uh, first of all, you thought of me. Uh, but secondly, just to be sort of uh, among the, the group of people that you're inviting, it's is, is stellar and uh, I'm humbled.
0: I appreciate oh, it. You're, well, you're very welcome. Well, here we are at the end of today's interview. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll come back for more. I'd also like to thank again the sponsors of this podcast, Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and S.E. Shires. Their support helps me to continue to deliver these interviews on a regular basis. Be sure to check out their products at messinacovers.net, EastmanWinds.com, and seshires.com. And one final reminder that you too can be a supporter of this podcast by subscribing at patreon.com studiohfl studio HFL. Thanks again. Now go practice. Well, here we are at the end of today's interview. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll come back for more. I'd also like to thank again the sponsors of this podcast Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and S.E. Shires. Their support helps me to continue to deliver these interviews on a regular basis. Be sure to check out their products at messinacovers.net, eastmanwinds.com, and seshires.com. And one final reminder that you too can be a supporter of this podcast by subscribing at patreon.com studiohfl studio hfl thanks again now go practice